So praise the Lord. Let's just pray and we're going to launch out this morning and, and we're going to have a look at another look at faith. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you right now. Lord God, that you're a God of faith and you've called us to be a people of faith. And Lord, faith means that we're not moved by what we see. We're not moved by what we feel, but we're moved by your word. And so we thank you right now, Lord God. We choose to lock our minds in this morning to hear your word, Lord, which is able to save our soul, our mind area. We thank you, Father God, Lord, that our spirit as a spirit of faith, and we can believe, we do believe. And we thank you, Lord God, that our body right now, we just declare as attentive, and it will not distract us. Lord God, we lock into what you've got to say today, because the things that you're saying to us are the things that are going to put us over in life. And so we thank you for that right now, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So everyone's got an outline? If you haven't, you put up your hand, and one of our girls will get that to you. And so we've been on, and we're on our third week of looking at faith, and I trust that you've already been able to, uh, you've already heard some things that have taken your faith to a new level, uh, and been able to tweak those things and bring those things into line uh, with God. You see, God is a faith God. Um, in fact, He calls Himself the Father of Spirits, and so what He's doing to us, as a, what He's endeavouring to do for us as our Father, He is training us to walk in the Spirit. He is training us how to walk in the Spirit. He's the Father of spirits, and He's training us to walk in the Spirit, which means that we're going to learn to walk by faith. And Habakkuk, on your outline, and I'm not going to use your outline very much in the first bit, but initially, Habakkuk 2.4 says that the just shall live by faith. And so part of living by faith is learning how to speak the language of faith. And so God is teaching us how to walk by faith and not by sight. Now, does that mean when we walk by faith and not by sight that we just forget about our eyesight and we just close off here and we're, we're not you know, living by our natural eyesight? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that we simply learn how to live by what the Word says and not what by our physical senses are telling us. Because you see, God's Word is over all, all matter, all physical things. And when we learn to walk by the Word, above what our natural situations are telling us, that's what the walk of faith is. And so that's what God is endeavoring to do uh, for us as a father. He wants us to live on a higher realm. We're living in this earthly realm, in the natural realm, but God has elevated us when we got born again to live in a higher realm and to be, and to be taking charge of our circumstances. Do you like that? I like that kind of a God, a kind of a dad, when he says to me, Vanessa, take charge. There's, a, there's, there's something inside you. There's a take charge inside your spirit because you see, that's what God's like. He takes charge of things when he turns up on the scene. And when we turn up on the scene, we are to take charge with our spirit. Not in an arrogant way, but to bring life into that situation. And so it's interesting. You know, God is training us as a, as a father to, to walk in the spirit. And I've got a, 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 some things down here that I've seen that man has spent millions of dollars training his physical body. If we think about it, he's, he's spent not even millions, it's actually billions of dollars he has spent training his physical body, and he's spent an additional billions of dollars training his intellectual mind. But if we have a look at that, we'll find that few people know that we even are a spirit, and let alone spend any money on developing our spirit. And yet, the Word of God says to us that we are primarily a spirit being. We are a spirit being, primarily. And we have a soul, a mind, our intellect, and we live in this body. And so just the same as our body can be trained and developed, so our spirit can be trained and developed. And just the same as our mind can be educated, so our spirit can be educated. And so that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about educating the spirit part of our being. And that's why coming to a Sunday service is so important, because what are we doing? Jesus says, my words are spirit, and they are life. And so when you come here right now, I'm speaking words. These are not natural words. These are words that address to your spirit being. And so I wouldn't miss a service ever, because I want my spirit to be trained. I want my spirit to be developed. I've only got one life to live. I don't want to be able to spend it and live it for God. And so in order to do that, I need to develop my inner man. I need to develop my spirit man. And I need to develop that not by looking at television, not, not looking about desperate housewives. I don't want to be a desperate housewife. I'm a daughter of the living God and I'm here to change something on the earth. 
while I'm here. And the only way I can do that is if I learn to live out of my spirit being and develop my spirit being and realize primarily I am a spirit being and I have a mind and I live in this body. And so I want to spend my time developing the inward part of my, my, my being so that I can be led by the Spirit, so that I can walk by the Spirit, so that I'm not challenged and changed by circumstances, but I move in and I challenge and I change the circumstances. And that's what's out there for God's children. And so that's what we're here for on a Sunday. And you find any of our senior leadership team, we won't miss a Sunday service, not a Sunday morning, not an evening service, because we are here to feed our inner man so that we can make changes out there in our, in our world. Praise God. Hallelujah. So let's quickly, um, I'll do a review for some of you who weren't here. Last week we looked at Romans 10. Romans 10, and it talks about faith. It's not on your outline, so let me just preach a wee bit here for a while. We looked at Romans 10, which talks about faith, and we saw how the righteousness of faith, which is the God kind of faith, we saw how the righteousness of faith talks. And initially Paul said that the righteousness of faith doesn't say, Oh, if only Jesus would come back to the earth and do all the work for us and heal us and deliver us and set us free. If only we would be back in the time, Jesus' time, where we would live with him and he would supply bread for us. He would just thank the Father and the bread would be produced just like that. No, Paul said the righteousness of faith, the God kind of faith doesn't talk like that. He says, what is, and then he goes on and he taught us, and he says, well, what does the righteousness of faith, how does faith speak? And we saw here that faith says that I don't need Jesus to come back. I don't need Jesus to come down on the earth. I don't need to go back to the time of Jesus to get my needs met. What does it say? It says the word of faith is in my mouth. It's in my heart. That is the word of faith that we preach, that if we say with our mouth and believe in our heart, it shall be or we shall be saved, we shall be delivered, we shall be set free. And so God has given to us everything as new creations that we need. God doesn't come down onto the earth. He is not our servant. He is not running around meeting your needs. God, do this for me. God, do that for me. For goodness sake. He's not our servant. He's the king. He's the God of gods. He's given us faith so that we get our faith out as a servant and get our faith to do the work for us. That's how the kingdom of God works. Praise the Lord. And so God has put us in charge of our world. And we choose to believe and we choose to speak. And whatever we speak, we're going to have what we say. Simple as that. And so how does the, faith, uh, the righteousness of faith works? We see that it must be, in your, must be in your heart and then it must be in your mouth. And to get it into your heart, we found out that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So the more word of God you hear, the more faith is gonna come or develop in your heart and then you're gonna be able to speak it out and you shall have, again, what you say. It's right throughout the New Testament talking about how to walk by faith. Praise the Lord. And I ended by saying that you cannot believe without hearing. It's on last week's outline. And you cannot receive without saying. You cannot believe without hearing and you cannot receive without saying. That's why I don't lend my ear to just everything. Proverbs tells us you guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. And so I am not going to, I am not going to sit under any programs or any music or anything that is going to disrupt my faith walk or slow me down. As I said to you, I'm, I'm not, I, wouldn't, I would not sit under desperate housewives or days of our lives. I guard my heart because faith comes by hearing. Not only does faith come by hearing, but sickness, disease, poverty, lack, insecurity, fear, it all comes by hearing. And whatever you hear, that's what you're going to live out in your life. And so I guard, I am the spirit being, and I am in charge, and I guard what my soul hears, and I guard what my ears hear, because I know that faith comes by hearing. Fear comes by hearing. Insecurity comes by hearing. Why do children, when they're growing up as, they're ch as young children, why do they grow up and they're insecure and maybe have fear because they've heard it, they've heard it, they've heard it. And then when they get born again, God says, I've set you free from the spirit of fear. You have not got the spirit of fear. You have a spirit of power. You have a spirit of love and you have a sound mind. A sound mind. How do we get a sound mind? We guard our heart with all diligence and just expose our spirit 
to the Word of God. Hallelujah. And so we find examples, praise the Lord. The Bible example we had a look at, in fact, I'll quickly better move on, otherwise I preached last week's message. Uh, we found out and we saw a, a Bible example, remember the, the woman with the issue of blood? And we went through that and we found out and we saw a perfect example of what we were saying here. She heard, she said, she received. She heard, she said, and she received. And we can do the same thing. We hear, we say, and we receive. It's wonderful, wonderful. Jesus said it's simple, absolutely simple. You see, God has done everything for us. He's not going to come down and do any more for us. God's already done everything that he's ever going to do about the devil until the end times. He's already done that. He's already delivered us from the powers of darkness. God is not adding anything to his word. It's, settled in, it's, it's been settled forever in heaven. We just need to take what he's done and we just need to walk in that. I am delivered from the powers of darkness. I'm not trying to be. I'm not going to be one day. I am. Colossians 1.13 tells us that. Praise the Lord. So let's move on. We're going to have a look this morning, and I'm quite excited about this because this will just help to tweak our, our faith um, action. And we've, I've put here that your faith doesn't stand alone. All right, so we've been talking about faith and having a look at faith, but this morning we're going to have something else and we're going to add some more dynamics to this. Um, we've got three cooperating powers that are always present whenever we receive anything from God. And we find those cooperating powers, what are they? They're faith, hope, and love. Three cooperating powers that are in operation. Every time faith is, is in operation, you will find there's love there, and you will find that there is hope. So what does it say here in 1 Corinthians 13? Now abides faith, hope, and love. But the greatest, the greatest of these is love. And so these are the ingredients that God lives by. And he uses these ingredients whenever he creates anything. Whenever he creates anything, you'll find that these three are in operation. And when these things are activated in our lives, nothing's impossible to us. When they're activated in our lives, nothing's impossible to us. And we may have a look at that when I uh, teach some time on the prayer of faith. Because you'll find in uh, Mark eleven twenty five, it talks about and when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive. That your Father can forgive you. Why? Because faith won't work unless you're walking in forgiveness. And so we can have a look at that. But we're not touching on faith, um, um, love this morning. We're going to spend our time focusing on, on hope. What is hope? Why is it necessary? We're going to answer the question, what is the difference between faith and hope? And then we're also going to have a look and see that hope that has changed to faith brings God's results. And so we're going to answer these questions this morning. And so what is hope? God created hope. And so we need to go to God and find out what hope is because he's the one that created it. He's the one that made it. And so why don't we go and have a look and see what God says about hope. Um, when I spoke on dreams in November last year, I, um, some of the definitions I'm going to give here are also the definitions I gave when I said you do have a dream. You see, because a dream is like a hope. And so I'm going to read some of those things now. You see, when we talk about hope, we're talking about a major ingredient in God's way of operating and in God's lifestyle. Hope is to do with the imagination, it's to do with vision, it's a plan, it's a desire, and it's a dream. That's what hope is. And so hope is the ability God has in himself. It's what makes God God. You see, God dreams, God imagines, and God sees things. And so that's what hope is. And when we're talking about now abides faith, hope, and love, and we know that, we know that when this heaven and this earth folds up, God's still got faith, hope, and love. He said these things abide forever, and because they abide forever, God can create a new heaven. He can create a new earth. He can create and make all things new. You see, how does he do it? With faith, hope, and with love. And so this is just part of who he is. He's also called in the New Testament the God of all hope, who encourages us. You see, hope is something that puts courage into us. When we see a hope, we see a vision. We see a dream. What does that do? It does something on the inside. It causes courage to come on, on the inside of you. And so God lives in hope, and he has a vision. He has a plan for every, everybody in creation, every, every part of creation. And it's so incredible that when we first hear it, it can seem to be too good to be true. But the wonderful thing about God is that his plan, his hope is true, and he's given us the ability to make it a reality in our own lives. Praise God. 
You see, in the beginning, I just really said that, God had a hope before he created the heavens and the earth. God the Father, God the Word, and God the Holy Ghost, and they were saying, or they were over this void and this darkness, and they had a vision. They had a, a vision to do something amazing. And because of that vision, they were able to speak and say, light be, and they brought forth the earth. And then they talked to each other, and then they said, let us make man. Well, was man there yet? No. Let us make man in our image. And so God had this hope, and he had, this imagine, uh, he, he had imagined making human beings or beings like himself. And then he spoke that into being. What was that? That was hope, which is the imagination, which is the dream, which is the plan. And then he used his faith to speak and bring it into reality. And so we, hope is a vital, a vital part of our lives. Have, being able to have imagine, being able to dream and imagine, that is a vital part of the faith, of faith coming into operation, I should say. And so God created man in his own image, and he created us to do the same. He created us to dream and then to bring a dream to pass. Quite amazing. And so God uses our ability to imagine to show us the things that he has out there for us. I mean, how can he do that? If we haven't got a mind and we can't think, you can't talk to a, a dog and say, can you imagine healing? Can you imagine a bone? Now, he may know the word b bone. We've got a dog, and as soon as you say walk, it, oh! and all of a sudden the word walk, and he knows of what a walk is. But you cannot create with an animal. You see, human beings have been created on a higher class. We're a higher class of being. God has given you his ability to imagine, to dream, to plan, to set a goal, and to do something amazing with your life. Animals don't have that. They live by instinct. And so we're created in God's image to be able to dream and to be able to hope. And so hope talks to the part in us that knows no limit. I mean, you get in your imagination, and you can do anything in your imagination. How do you think man invented an aircraft? Because some human being grabbed a hold of an idea and dreamed that one day we could fly. And that ability to be able to imagine that brought that eventually into this natural realm. A man that discovers a magnificent scientific feat on, on the pharmaceutical industry to heal some kind of disease. He's dreamed in his passion to do something to help humanity and it comes forth. That's the ability. That's what hope does. That's what hope is. And hope works together alongside faith. We can't have one without the other. And so people have not really understood the power of hope. In fact, when we were growing up as children, I used to hear very often, don't get your hopes up. Now, don't get your hopes up. Why would they say that? Because they didn't want you to be disappointed. Don't get your hopes up. And so, you know, children are left here and kind of down here and they're thinking, well, I'm trying to get my hopes up. No, don't get your hopes up. Wonderfully, over the last three decades, though, we've actually found that people have discovered, hey, having a vision, having a dream, using your imagination is vital. You look at all of the sports people. They visualize and they dream and they imagine. And they've tapped into this ability, this God ability that is in every human being and they start to see themselves winning at that game. They start to see themselves, you know, sort of standing on their first, you know, first, second, third, and they see themselves with that medal. Praise the Lord. You see, some before they, they found that, you know, sort of three decades ago, and, and we're talking three or four decades ago, um, people were operating in visualization. They were operating in dreams. It's just they didn't give a name to it. They were too busy breaking new ground. They were too busy inventing something. They were too busy liberating some people to be able to find, oh, I'm visualizing here. This is what I'm doing. I'm visualizing liberating the black people in America. I'm visualizing it. No, no, they were just doing it. It was just innate. It was inside them. But they have a dream to be free. And that, that dream was able to bring to pass a liberation of a people. 
And so this is amazing. It's an amazing thing. And so God is the God of all hopes. He wants us to get our hopes up. He wants us to get into the dreams of God because he has for this nation, he has for this city, he has for our, our time, like Stephen's saying, in times, for us to bring in the harvest of the nations. How are we going to do that? By dreaming by dreaming the dreams of God and by imagining what is not possible in the natural. It's possible with God. Dreaming of a better world. You see, as I sort of said, there's no other creature on earth that has the ability to imagine. We're not talking angels. We're talking on this earth. No other creature has that. Praise God. On your outline, hope does something on the inside of a person. What does it do? It brings a focus. It stirs expectation. It empowers us to step out against all odds and achieve incredible feats. That's what it does. There's an empowering, there's a pushing, there's almost a force coming behind to be able to empower us to do something amazing with that dream that we've got inside. I have a dream. And that dream will push a person to the limits and they'll be able to achieve and go into almost a supernatural ability to tap into that world. And that brings me on to hope is linked with the eternal part of our being. It's very interesting hope. And you'll have a look in Hebrews 4. Uh, because you see, we are, as I said to you, we are a spirit being primarily. We have a soul and we live in a body. But you see, there's an interesting part of our being where our soul and our spirit are actually connected together. You can easily divide the human body. It's definitely different from our spirit and our soul. But there is a part of our soul and our spirit that is linked together, and it's within that imagination, within that will. You see, we have the mind. The Bible talks about the mind of the spirit, and there's also a natural mind. And so there's a part of us that are linked together. And so hope comes from within our spirit, but it's also linked into our soulish realm. You see, even people that aren't born again, they are still spirit beings. They're just not alive to God. They're just a spirit that is, that is what we would call a spirit of death is in their lives. They're still alive. They're still, it's a personality. That's why we get born again. We take out the old spirit and we put in a brand new spirit. That's what happens. And so it's linked to the spirit realm. And even those that don't know God, they have the ability to give themselves to a dream, give themselves to a hope, and to, as I said, achieve great things on the earth. Magnificent. So great things come out of great hope. Let's have a look at Proverbs 13. It says here that the desire, or when a desire comes, it is a tree of life. We could actually put in there, when a hope comes, when a hope comes, it is a tree of life. You know, there is such a satisfaction that when you have achieved something, you've dreamed and you've planned and you've anticipated, and man, when that thing comes, man, it's a tree of life to you. It brings life to you. That's what it does inside of us. Why? Because we were made for problem solving. We were made for creating something out of nothing. And so it's just, it just feeds who we are as a, as a being. It's wonderful. And now then you overlay that with a God factor and become born again. And then you have a God hope on the inside of you. And I tell you, that combination is unstoppable. Because we don't just then stay with a natural human hope. We move over into a supernatural hope with God's hope, a living hope. It's a hope that is alive and brings life, and it can't be stopped. And the fathers of old, you have a look and you read in Hebrews 11. It talks about them. It says they had a hope, and they used that hope, and they put their faith into that and brought substance to that thing. And they stopped the mouth of lions. They parted waters. They were able to take down an enemy. One puts a 1,000 to flight, two puts 10,000 to flight, able to do incredible things. They had a living hope that was on the inside of them. And so God's super came on our natural and poof, amazing. And that's available to us. Praise God. Have a look at the first part of that verse. It says here that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so when we have a hope or a dream and it doesn't come to pass, that, ma that, that makes us sick. When we don't have a hope, we're hopeless. And that's what causes depression in people. That's what causes people to not want to live anymore. When they haven't got a hope, they've got nothing to live for, no purpose, nothing to dream for. And so it's an innate, an innate part of who we are as a being. God has given you a hope, a dream to do something in this earth. And don't think too small of it. God's, God's hopes are amazing. Praise God. Hallelujah. So they're natural you see, when natural human hope is gone, and this is what's so amazing about God, when natural human hope has gone, 
And when the world says you can't, God's hope says you can. Isn't that amazing? And so there is such a thing as a natural human hope. But when it says you can't, there's no hope. You can't. God says, yes, you can. And when their bank manager turns around to you and he says it's not enough, God turns around and says, no, there's more than enough. You just start to dream. Praise the Lord. And when the doctors say that there is no hope, God says, I'm the God of all hope. I raise the dead. Isn't that amazing? That's, that's the amazingness of our God and what he's given to us. You see, God's hope is more than positive thinking. It's more than positive thinking. Oh, let's just be positive about this. I have some friends that just, let's be positive. Let's be positive. In fact, my sister just tells me when I go and visit an Auckland, let's just be positive. And she's really trying to be positive. You know, <laughs> it's good. It's better than being negative. <laughs> if you had a choice. And that, but this is more than positive thinking. We've had great people that have been very positive when they have been faced with a doctor's report that said no hope. There's no hope for you. I'm sorry. And they've been very positive. And they've, they, they've been very positive about this. But you see, there was no hope in the natural for them until they connected with God. And God said, there is a hope. I have a living hope. Against natural hope, you can believe in God's hope because he calls the things that are not as though they were. That's what hope can do for us. And we find in Romans, against natural human hope, that God has given us hope. Not only has he given us hope, but then he's given us faith to bring it to pass. And that's what we found in Romans. We find that in Romans chapter 4, it talks about a man named Abram. And he was not able to have children. And he'd heard for years and years and years, this man lived a long time, and he was not able to have any children. And he'd lived for years with, sorry, there's no hope. Sorry, you can't have children. Sorry, you can't do this. And so back in those times, that was, that was tragic. I mean, it's not... It's not good for husbands and wives in these days to experience a sorry there's no hope you can't have children you're barren but in those days this was a this was a shame that you had a heritage that you needed to pass down to the next generation and so he had no hope and he came to God and God visited him one day and he said there is a hope let's have a look and let's read it here God visited Abraham and he said in Romans chapter 4, 17 and 18, he said, there is hope, Abram. He said, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he, Abram, believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls the things which do not exist as though they did. Verse 18 says, who contrary to hope and hope believed so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And so we see in this passage of Scripture that there are two hopes that are spoken of here. In verse 18 it says, who contrary to hope and hope believed. Well, what are you talking about there, God? Well, God is saying here that contrary to hope, there was a natural human hope that said you cannot have children. You are barren. And so it says, contrary to, he wasn't looking at that hope. God came before him and he said, I've made you a father of many nations, Abram. I've made you a father of many nations. So shall your seed be. He didn't have any seed. And so contrary to what the, the doctors were saying, contrary to what the world was saying, he turned around and he put his focus on God's hope. And he didn't leave it just there with hope and having a dream. God said to Abram, he said, you look in the sky and see all those stars. You see, Abram didn't have the word of God. He couldn't turn to Romans uh, 4 and read up about himself. He didn't have Mark 11 where he could read up about himself, being able to believe in his heart and confess with his mouth. God came down and taught him how to live by faith, how to live and hope in him. And God says, Abram, look at the stars, so shall your seed be. You look at the sand, so shall your seed be. And so when Abram was feeling great, he looked at the stars and saw sons. And when he wasn't feeling that great, he'd look at the sand and think, my goodness me, here's a multitude. God gave him a vision. What is that? It's visualization. It's dreaming. And then we find later that God said to him, start to call yourself Abraham, a father of many nations. And when he kicked in and he, he, he changed his name from Abram to Abraham, 
It was a 25-year period when God first spoke that to him. And when he changed his name to Abraham, father of many nations, in one year, that son was born. It changed from hope into faith, and it took one year. Magnificent. Against hope, against natural hope, when all of the outside world is saying there is no hope, there is a hope in God. God has hope. He's the God that raises the dead. What does it say here? It says, God who gives life to the dead, God who calls those things that do not exist as though they did. I'm calling you Abram, Abraham. He wasn't the father of many nations, but God called him. What did he say at the beginning? He said, I have made you. I have made you the father of many nations. That was before he had any children. That's God's faith that was speaking. You see, that's what God's hope can do. It's a living hope. It's a dream. It's a dream that's alive inside of us. And then we're going to use our faith to bring it into reality. And so let's have a look at the, the next point on our outline. It says, what is the difference between faith and hope? They can look the same. And many Christians get these two mixed up. And then they wonder why things aren't happening for them. It's because they may not have known or understand the difference between faith and hope or hope and faith. And so we're going to have a look at that and go through some scripture slowly and just lock this in so that we know once and for all what is hope and what is faith. We, we, can't, do what with, um, we can't do without hope and we can't do without faith. We need the two of them together. And so there's not one that's wrong or one that's right. We need them both. We need a vision and we also need to be able to speak it into being. And so Hebrews 11 verse 1, it says here, and it mentions both of these, things, these two together. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And the New English translation, it says, now faith is giving substance to hope. You see, our dream, our imagination, it has no substance. It's out there. It's a plan but it has no substance. Our faith gives substance to it. You see, faith is spiritual substance. What is it? It gives substance to our hope. It also says there, it says, it's the evidence. Faith is the evidence. Faith is the proof of the things we don't see yet in the natural. It's the proof. It's the title deed, as it were of the things we haven't seen yet. Hope has no substance. It is a vision, it's a dream, it's a goal. It's a little bit like this building here. Um, our buildings are regulated by the little thermostat. The little thermostat is a little box and it's the one that regulates the, um, the, the uh, temperature in this room. It has no power. The power is actually in those machines there. And if you take away the the little, what do, you, what do you call it? That little thermostat box that Stefan tells me don't touch. <laughs> the remote, remote control. You see, the remote control, that thermostat, it's the goal setter. It tells us how hot we want to be or how cold we want to be. All right, it has no power in itself. It's the one that's the goal setter. It sets the goal for the temperature of this room. Now, if we decide to remove that thermostat or that little remote control and we hide it, <laughs> and we, we've turned it off by then we've turned it off or we've turned it on and left it there whatever but if we decide to remove that from the wall the heating, the heating unit it's still available it's still there the power is still there but unless we've got that remote control nothing's going to happen and so the remote control that thermostat is like, our, is like our hope and the power box with the heating in it is like our faith you see they work together and so hope is future. You'll notice here when we have a look at the scripture in, in Hebrews 11, hope is future. It points to something not seen yet. It's not seen yet. Faith is now. And we often say, if it's not now, it's not faith. Simple. You can say that to yourself. Just get it into our, in our minds. If it's not now, it's not faith. It's, it's hope. And if we're happy to hope, that's fine. If we're happy not to see the results and just hope and hope all, all of our lives, that's good. That's your choice. But if you want to bring it into the reality, into your now, then it's got to be spoken in the present tense. Have a look in Hebrews 11. It says, now faith is. Now is present tense. Is is present tense. 
And so we see here that faith is present tense. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. And so if we're hoping for something, things not seen, if the thing is not seen, it's a hope. We haven't seen it yet with our natural eyes. And so faith brings substance to those things. And so how we pray and how we speak, we've got to speak by faith rather than by hope. You see, hope changed to faith will bring, resu- will br- bring results. The moment we bring hope, sorry, the moment we bring hope into the present tense, it becomes faith. For instance, you hope for healing. You hear people saying, well, I'm just hoping for healing. I'm hoping when I come down on the prayer line here, I hope, I hope, I hope that I'm going to receive when I come down on the prayer line here. Well, that's hope. I'd like to be healed. That's still hope. When we come down the prayer line, we just say, thank you, Lord God, that I'm healed now. I'm healed now. Now faith is, I'm healed now. Hope says I'll have it sometime. Faith says I have it now. You see, you have people saying, well, I'm just believing God is strengthening me. I'm believing God's going to strengthen me. I'm be- that sounds good. I'm believing God is going to strengthen me. Going to is, 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 is future, which means we're always putting it off into the future. And if we put it off into the future, we never arrive because it keeps on being off into the future. What does the word say? The Lord is the strength of my life. The Lord is what is is. It's present tense. The Lord is the strength of my life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God has delivered me from the powers of darkness. If he has, that means I am right now delivered. So I can say I'm delivered from the powers of darkness. By his stripes, I am healed. Why can I say that? It says because by by his stripes, in fact, what does the scripture, Stephen? In 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes, I was healed. In fact, it says you were healed. Were is past tense, which means it's already happened. And so if, if we were healed, that means that we are healed today. And so we don't say, I'm going to, get, I'm going to come up to the prayer line and I'm, going to be he- and I'm going to be healed. We bring it into the present tense and say, I'm healed now. The reality is we are healed now. We are prosperous now. We are delivered now. We are bold as lions now. We are free from fear now. That's the reality. That's faith speaking in the now. Praise God. In fact, let's have a look at Mark eleven twenty four. It actually helps us with our praying to be able to get it into the right tense. You see, it's, a, it's just a subtle difference, but people think they're in faith and they're not. And so Stephen and I, and, um, you know, years ago when we heard the message of faith 20, 25, 30 years ago, we'd pick each other up the whole time and help ourselves while we're learning to speak faith. We're learning to speak faith. Speak faith rather than speak doubt and unbelief or even speak hope. And so Mark 11, it says here, whatever things you ask, the King James actually says, whatever things you desire. So things we desire, things we ask, means we haven't got it yet, and so that's a hope. It's something we desire. It's something we're asking for. If we already had it, we wouldn't need to ask for it. And so that is a hope. Whatever things you ask, Whatever things you desire, it says, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you will have them. And so this verse is actually speaking in the past tense, it's speaking in the present, and it's actually speaking in the future. Whatever things you ask, whatever things you desire, what is that? That's a hope. You're desiring something. When you pray, you believe you receive them, and you shall have them. Now let me ask you the question, when do you believe you receive those things it says when you pray whatever things you ask when you pray believe you receive them when you pray believe you receive them when you pray believe that you receive them and you will have them future whatever things you desire whatever things you ask when you pray believe you receive them that's why praying together and locking that thing in because you've received it right there. You don't have it yet, but you've received it by faith then, and you shall have it. 
You know, we talked in the first session and we said we've sent our words out like servants. And when we speak out our faith, our faith is our servant, our words are our servant, we send them out to do a job. And so when we pray, we believe we, believe we receive it. We believe our words have gone out to create that thing, to bring that money in, to bring that job in, whatever that is. And so we believe we receive when we pray and we shall have, which is future. Praise the Lord. You see, faith believes it receives when we pray, not when it's manifest. You see, when it's manifested, we don't need to believe anymore. We have it. And so faith is not needed in that situation any longer. You see, I believe that I, I receive strength while my body is still weak. I believe that I receive my needs met when my bank account still says zero. And so this is what we say. We're walking by faith and not by sight, walking by the word and not by the circumstances. Praise the Lord. You see, Jesus said, believe you receive when you pray and you will have. Simple. People want to believe that they receive first and it doesn't work that way. Faith doesn't work that way. We don't need to believe then because we've got it. That's what we just said. Okay, so faith gives substance to our hopes and it brings them into the reality. Can you see that? And so the things we desire, we haven't got it yet, but faith says we have it now and we shall. Praise God. So hope. Let's have a look at another thing that hope does in our lives. It is part of the soul area, as we said. In Thessalonians 5, 1, 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, it talks about what hope is. It says, Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. You see, we see those three cooperating forces together here in the scripture. We see faith, we see hope, and we see love. What does it say? Be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. You see, we have to put this on. God is not putting that on for us. We have to put on the breastplate. We have to put on the helmet of hope. And the breastplate of faith and love, that has to do with the spirit man. And the helmet, what does that have to do with? That has to do with the soul. What does a helmet do? It protects the head area. And see, so we're talking about the hope. It protects our soul area. It protects our mind, our will, our emotions, our choices. That's what hope does. It's there to give us a vision, to give us a dream. But God is telling us here, not only does it do that, it actually protects. It covers us. and It, it, it protects our head from the attacks of the enemy, protects our mind from the circumstances that we see around us that want us to be able to get on board with what we see rather than get on board with what God's Word says. And so God's hope, it protects or it guards our soul. You see, our faith is only as strong as the weakest link. And the weakest link in our body is, can actually be the unrenewed mind. The soul plays a vital part in whether we're going to receive from God or not. And whichever way, I've put this on your outline, whichever way our soul is trained to think, that is the direction we're going to go. And we used to teach in children's church, you, you see, you've got three parts to your being, your spirit, your soul, and you have a body. And whichever way the soul, it's like the hinge in the door of the door, whichever way that... That, that soul swings, you are going to either walk in the spirit, if the soul swings over into the spirit realm and we become spiritually minded, or if we become carnally minded and we don't train our soul, we just let anything and everything come into our soul, in and out, music, television, magazines, whatever, we have no, no, no authority to actually, we're not training it at all, it will swing with our carnal nature, it'll swing with the body and we will walk as carnal Christians. And so the soul is a vital part and God's hope comes on into our, into our soul and it protects us so that we become spiritually minded, which the Bible talks about as life and peace. Paul says to be carnally minded is death to you. It's death to you. It'll shipwreck your faith. It's death to your faith walk. You'll be under the circumstances, defeated, depressed, poor, sick but you become, you become spiritually minded and we train our mind in line with the word and we make it bow itself 
to the Word of God and what God says, it becomes spiritually minded. And the Bible says that that is life and that is peace. And that word peace means deliverance, wholeness, salvation over our lives. And so it's a vital role, the hope of God, this living hope for our soul. And so we don't just leave our mind to think any thoughts it wants to. That's like you parents with an undisciplined child. I mean, we are here to parent our children, to make them, to, to, to disciple them, to discipline them, to make them dis disciplined human beings. We don't just let them go and do whatever they want. We don't let them just have tantrums. If you let them have a tantrum when they're little, they're going to do that when they're big. You teach them to take control of themselves. They're just having a soul fit. And they're a spirit being. And we say, no, we don't behave like that. Pull yourself in. Clip that off. And teach them how to come under the power of the word so that they're not tormented by their body and their soul just swinging in and out whichever direction it wants to. Some people's mind is like a rubbish tip. Satan just dumps stuff in there. We don't allow our minds to just think any thoughts. We think in line with the word. What does the word say? What does the word say? What does the word say? And you'll be surprised. Your mind will come on in. You'll be able to see the difference between your spirit and your soul. When your soul starts to think negative thoughts and from your spirit, you say, no, we don't do that. No, no, we're not going there. When an imagination comes on into your soul, no, no, we don't think those thoughts, and you go and make it think something else. It's magnificent to be able to see the difference between your spirit and your soul and just come on, bring it into line. You're spiritually minded. And you get into the Victory Program booklet and start to fill yourself with word, with the word, with the word. And so that out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. Out of the abundance of your heart and within your imagination, which is linked to the two of them, you start to be able to control and take control of your soul and guard it. The helmet of salvation. This soul is saved. You see, salvation is three parts for us as human beings. It's past, present, and future. Our spirit has been saved. Our mind is being saved. And our body, we're going to pick up a body later on, a brand new one. And so right now where we're living on this earth, we are in the process of renewing, transforming, saving our soul. It's not talking about your spirit. Your spirit's already saved. It's talking about this, this area here. Renew your mind. And so when you read about saving your soul, it's not talking about your spirit being. It's talking about our mind. Praise God. And so if we leave our mind and our soul to feed on everything but the word, your thoughts are going to be everywhere. And it's going to fight against your spirit. And it's going to shipwreck our faith. Let's have a look at another scripture. God's hope anchors the mind. Here's another one that says very similar. Hebrews 6, verse 17 to 20. It says, lay hold. Again, that same word. Lay hold of the hope that's set before us. Hope, what is it? Set before us, it's something that's future. So lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor to the soul. It's both sure and it's steadfast, which enters into the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered before even Jesus. And so this is a magnificent scripture talking about exactly what we're saying here. It says, lay hold of the hope that's set before us. We take hold of that. It says it's this hope, this living hope, this God hope. What is it going to do? It's going to anchor the soul. You see, what is this hope? It's talking about what God's already done for us, and we've covered that. What God has done for us in Christ Jesus. What He's helped us to be able to achieve for Him, or what He is helping us to achieve for Him. You see, again, hope is future. It's that goal. And so how do we lay hold of it? We lay hold of it with the Word. We're repeating what we've just said. When we hear the word, what does it do? It goes into our mind and it produces hope. When we hear the word, it goes into our spirit and it produces faith. The same word produces hope in the mind and produces faith in the spirit. The same word. That's what it does. And so it puts a hope and, and that hope and it's anchoring. Verse 19, it says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul. We already have it. Like faith, we already said in, in, in session one, we have the faith of God, or we have the hope of God. We're not trying to get this. We have it. 
And so God's hope anchors our soul until the word manifests. This is the area. Our spirit has no problem believing. It has no problem believing that by Jesus' stripes I was healed. I am healed. But it's our soul that's going to look and go, oh, you still feel sick. You don't feel well. Where does that come from? Is that your spirit speaking? No. Is that God speaking? No. That is our soul that hasn't been got the helmet of hope in it or it hasn't been anchored. It's starting to, it's starting to have a panic attack. You see, what is, it, what is the purpose of an anchor? Or whether it's a ship, or whether it's the wall trusses of a building, when they say, hey, we need to anchor this thing down on a building site. When you anchor it, what do you do? You hold it in place, you lock it in, you lock it down, you're stabilizing it. You do the same thing with a, with a ship. What does the anchor do? It just stabilizes that ship so that it actually is not able to move around. The anchor of a ship, it keeps it from drifting off course, and in the midst of a storm, it's going to stop it from crashing on the rocks. That's what an anchor does. And that's exactly what the hope, hope as an anchor to our soul, is going to stop our mind drifting back and forth while we're waiting for the manifestation. Yes, I am healed. Oh, no, I'm not. Yes, I am healed. No, I'm not. Yes, I can do this. No, you can't. What is that? That's a mind, that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, Paul said. Let not that man think, think that he is going to receive anything from the Lord. And so we don't want to be back and forward, back and forward. We want to know what the hope, what the Word of God says, and then we lock that down, we anchor that down, and we're not moved. And when the circumstances and the storms come, we go back to the Word. What does the Word say? What does the word say? You see, God's hope, it said, is sure and steadfast. It's not a natural hope that just can break loose under pressure. This is God's hope. It says why, and it makes reference to that. It said it's steadfast, it is sure. This is how sure it is. It goes in past into the spirit realm and is locked on the throne of God. Past that veil, Jesus Christ has taken that for us. He's tied that rope, as it were. The forerunner, a forerunner was the guy that jumped out of the ship in the old days. They took that rope and they swam and they they were able to swim into shore and lock that thing down and anchor that ship. And so Jesus is the one that is the forerunner for us. He's taken a hold of that hope and it's locked onto the throne of God. And where the natural human hope can break loose, that hope is not possible to break loose. Why? The integrity of God, the integrity of the throne, the integrity of his word is at stake. It will come to pass. It will come to pass. And so we can be sure, our soul can be sure, hey, this is not me just trying. This word of God has been forever settled in heaven. God said, I've exalted my word above even my own name. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. Lock that into our mind and let our mind rejoice in God's hope. Praise God. Praise the Lord. And so we can train our soul to be unshakable in the storms of life. If our hope is based on the integrity of God's word, then it's going to come to pass. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And so we're not talking about mind over matter, which you don't hear much about that in, you know, these days. But when we first um, came into the word of faith, people were accusing us of, mind, oh, this is just all mind over matter. No, 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 this is not mind over matter. This is God's word overall matter this is the difference you see this is a living hope this is a living faith and it doesn't mean to say that we dismiss our natural mind what it means is we reprogram it we're just retraining it we're retraining our, our reasoning faculties our senses we're retraining Hebrews 4 talks about that through reason of use we can have our senses our senses can be trained to discern what is good and evil? What is faith and what is unbelief? Our senses can be trained to discern the difference between unbelief and faith, good and evil. No, this is not good. I'm not going with what my senses tell me right now. Through reason of use, Hebrews tells us, through reason of use. And so when we step out in faith, we've got to know that Satan's going to come after us. Mark chapter 4 says that he's coming for the word. It says that when the 
when the word was preached, it said he came immediately to steal the word that was sown in the heart. And so we have to know that when we're making a stand in, in hope and a stand in faith, that Satan is going to come immediately. He's going to bring pressure. He's going to bring storms of life. He's going to bring circumstances for us to doubt in the soul, to doubt God's word, and to get us to let go of our hope. He can't touch our spirit being. He can't touch faith inside our spirit, but he can because he's in this natural realm and our soul lives also in this natural realm. And so he will send attacks on those areas. He will send attacks on our body to try and get us to walk by sight and not by faith. Bombard us with negativity. You know, when we step out and he'll turn around and he'll say, you believe you receive? Well, where is it? And this is why it's good to actually get into Mark and have a look exactly, have a look at the legal document here because there's a play with words and he knows what faith is. He knows what hope is. He knows this stuff and we, know, we need to learn this language ourselves so that we are fluent in faith. We are fluent in hope because he knows what hope is. He knows what faith is. And so he'll come and say, you believe you receive or where is it? You're still the same. You still look the same. Look, feel yourself. And the moment you feel yourself, you've lost it. This, this, this is true. You go and inspect yourself or go and whatever because you see, if you're already well, then why would you need to inspect to see if you are well? You've just lost it there. And there's more people that leave this prayer line and they believe that they've received in the prayer line and then walk back to their seats and go check themselves out. And I'm talking about an unbelief. You see, we don't look. He says, look at you, nothing's changed. Can you feel? Can you feel that head that you're standing for, the, for that migraine headache? Oh, yes, I can still feel it. Yes, I can still feel it. No, just say no. By Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. I believe I receive. He'll say, can you feel it? You say you're healed, but look, feel it. Look. And then we just answer him back and say, I, I didn't say I believed. I looked healed. I didn't say I believed. I felt healed. I believe I am healed. I'm not saying I believe I'm feeling, you know, because you see feelings will follow. And so we answer him and say, I, I didn't say I, feel, I fear healed. I didn't say I looked healed. I said I believe that I am healed. And there is a difference. It's a slight difference, but we need to let him know that we know the difference. Praise God. You see, you may not look any better. Circumstances may not have changed. Your bank account may not be back in the, in the black. But we don't go by what we see. We're not walking by sight. We're walking by faith. And when we release our faith, we let the words go and bring that to pass. And it will happen according to our faith, Jesus said. And so the natural mind, it wants to speak what is, speak unbelief. The old nature is sense ruled and it says, I can't. I can't do this. And so we're just learning to discipline ourselves. Yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, hope and faith say, I can and I am. It's just lo lovely sayings. I can and I am. That's it. End of story. We don't start to conference with the mind and go back and forward and let it talk because it'll actually talk you out of your faith. It'll talk you out of hope. We don't do that. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians uh, 10.4, it says, cast down every imagination, every high thing that is exalting itself against the word of God and bring every thought into captivity to Christ. Every thought. We don't just let all those thoughts happen in our minds. We bring those thoughts into captivity. We discipline them and bring them into line with what the word of God says. And we can do that. It's just like having a workout. We have a workout in the gym, like we've said. Spend major time working out our body. Spend major time developing our, our intellect. We can spend time disciplining our soul, training ourselves to walk in the Spirit and be Spirit-led. Praise God. And so I stand by, hate, by my hope, and I say by faith that I'm not going to be ashamed. And you just let, let Satan know that. Just let him know. Let him know that, hey, I'm standing by faith. I've got a hope and I'm not going to be ashamed. Because he'll tell you, you're going to be put to shame. You're standing here and you're going to be so embarrassed. You are wishful thinking. But we say, no, no, I know what the word says. I know what the word says. Praise God. And so our biggest challenge is going to be 
It's not a power issue. It's not even the devil issue. It's, re it's renewing and retraining this mind. And once God's hope anchors our soul, I tell you what, there's nothing that's going to stop us. Absolutely nothing that's going to stop us. Praise God. So let's just in closing, I've just written there on your outline, that God has given us his hope just as he's given us his faith. And so we dare to hope in God's word. Against all natural hope, we see God's hope. And then we don't leave it there. We don't leave it in the future. What do we do? We use our faith and we bring it into the now of our lives. Praise God. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord God. Thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord God, that we've been in a gym, a gym session with you. We've been in a workout session with you. We thank you, Lord, and we acknowledge, Lord God, that you have made us spirit beings. You are the Father of spirits. And we are learning, and we are walking in the spirit. And we are not fulfilling the lust of our flesh, our old nature. We thank you, Lord God, for the hope that you've given to us in your word. We thank you for the dreams that you've given us. We thank you for the ability to imagine and to see the things that are not seen. And Lord God, that they don't need to stay in that unseen world. But Lord, you've given us the measure of faith to be able to speak and to call the things that are not as though they are. And so Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, that we are calling the things that are not in our lives as if they are. We're locking those things down. We're seeing what you've given us in your word and we're choosing, we're choosing, Lord God, to wear that helmet of hope, to, Lord, anchor our soul into the promises of God so that our soul can be steadied until these things arrive. And so we just thank you for that, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Awesome.